Hey everybody, uh, welcome to our sincerest condolences. I'm Devin. My name is Mike. Yeah, we're uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed our brief uh, intro we had recently. Um, but yeah, this is really kind of the beginning of it all and where we're going to go. And um, we're pretty excited today to talk about the virtue of guilty pleasures. Um, essentially, Mike and I had a big philosophical debate about the term guilty pleasures and the fact that the two of us really don't value the opinions of others on things of this. Um, but ultimately, it's just, a, I don't know, it's a, good, it's a good catchphrase and it works well. Right. In the sense of the, in the sense of having a conversation about things that should be embarrassed, but quite frankly, not much embarrasses me at this point. <laughs> right. Well, I think that's what and that's what we we're talking about. It's it's such an odd idea that, and this could be a whole episode on its own, but this idea that at any point people have to be ashamed of things they like. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even like you know, sometimes when you and I are just kind of fucking around in conversation, like. One, one or both of us, we, we've both used this phrase where someone will be like, oh, I like this thing. I'll be like, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and like part of it's just to like, just to fuck with well, people. But, an asshole, but yeah, yeah, exactly. But, but it, it ties into that. And we were both like, yeah, when we were talking about this idea of like, of these songs, yeah, guilty pleasures isn't the right phrase, but I don't know. I personally couldn't think of a better phrase. No. Well, I think like, you know, when you speak through the generalities of, of conversation in America, where really wherever, like that's the phrase that works. But I think it's important to remind everybody, like, who gives a shit what other people think about what you like? Like, listen, right. listen to what you want to listen to, man. Whatever, right. whatever makes you fucking happy, who cares? I'm going to talk about some some shit that I definitely am going to get some eye rolls for. And there's a handful <laughs> of things on the, that didn't even make the list that I'm just like, I don't, right. I don't care. My, <laughs> my The top tracks on my, like, Spotify review every single year are shit that makes me uncomfortable to post in my stories. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Nah, I listen to that song a lot. And that song slaps. Right. And I don't really care that anybody thinks, I don't, I just don't care. So, <laughs> like, I don't know. I can't say it better. So, um, yeah, without further ado, we'll crack into that. Um, I'm going to start with Ted Nugent's Stranglehold. And so it, we don't we don't have a visual element yet to this podcast. So feel free to roll your eyes at home. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I, I, I shouldn't have to say this, but I will anyway. Um, we all know Ted Nugent's an asshole. Yes, absolutely. Because um, fuck that guy forever. It's pretty. Yeah, it's pretty easy to, to say fuck that guy. Uh, and he continues to give additional fuel constantly to really kind of remind us that he sucks as a human being. Um, but however, stranglehold is a great fucking strong man, song, man. I mean, first of all, he doesn't sing on it, which I think is what, what makes that song so great. And that, that ha- yeah, it has to be <laughs> like, I, I still have to, you know, we talked about these songs a while ago and I still haven't gone back to listen to that song. It's okay. Um, <laughs> well, so Derek St. Holmes actually sang on stranglehold. Um, which I think is why I still love that song so much is right. because Ted Nugent just shuts the fuck up and plays guitar, <laughs> which is not something he's good at. Right. Exactly. Um, God. And it's not this hyper misogynistic douchey track. Right. It's just a good fucking rock song sang by somebody that's not Ted Nugent. Right. Um, so this is maybe 10 years ago I was getting tattooed and I remember one of the other artists stopping um, cause stranglehold was playing over and he's like, damn man. He's like, when I die, I want stranglehold played at my funeral. Cause this song doesn't bum anyone out. <laughs> and it's true. That song doesn't bum anyone out. That's man. It, it's, it's fucking strong riffs. It's truly the only song I can back from that man. Right. Cause I mean, everything else he wrote, even if it's a halfway decent song, he starts kind of singing and then I, I get really kind of bummed yeah. about the lyrical content. And then I started thinking about who he is as a person. And I'm just like, nah, fuck this guy. Right. right. Exactly. Like, and I always still wonder, like, because again, when we talk about like 
I don't know how we came to know him because I, I, I never understood how he got fucking famous. Like, it seems like there were so many other better guitarists from the 70s. I think it was because he was good looking. I hate to say was that. Was he? I, I mean, I guess, like, because it's there hard were, to imagine. There was a someone, time. There was yeah. a time. He's just such a troll now that it's, I guess that's hard to imagine. And by troll, I mean, like, I'm talking about, like, the contents of him as a person. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, he's, like, actual garbage personified. But, um, I don't know, man. But I also don't think the man, the man wasn't stacking his singles either. Right, I think right. He, I think he had a moment. Yeah. And that moment passed. And he was a douchebag who wrote some really, right. like, not rad songs. And then, thankfully, on the best song he wrote, had somebody else sing. So, I, and I think that helps because I, you know, like when I think of that guy, I don't think of, I don't think of that era. And again, I'm just, I just haven't taken the time to familiarize myself with it. But when I was a little kid, I remember one of the first concerts, one of the first rock concerts I ever went to, he had a band from like, it was like the late eighties or early nineties. And it was his, his like comeback attempt. And it was called damn Yankees. Oh God. Yeah. yeah that is the right reaction. Yeah. They had one good song. And I just remember I, I had the single for it and it was called high enough. But again, yeah, like you said, he didn't sing on it. No. It was like the guy from sticks or something, yeah. you know, like, and I'm actually like, man, I kind of feel like I put my foot in my mouth a little bit. Cause as you were talking, I just did a quick, a quick search of the lyrics. Um, I mean, they're better than cat scratch fever, <laughs> <laughs> but not by much. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the first lines are here. I come again now, baby, like a dog in heat. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's very seventies for sure. Yeah. I mean, whatever. <laughs> he's got that, that line where he says the road that cruise is a bitch now, baby, uh, and yeah, I, yeah. which is like, I don't know, whatever, man. Like yeah. it's anyway, I don't care. Fuck it. I like that song, man. We should do, this makes me think we should do a bad lyrics episode. Cause we could jump right from the seventies to the late nineties, early two thousands. So yeah. Just all that, all that emo bullshit from that. Like, Oh my, oh my God. God. That's like a three hour episode. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Well, enough on Ted Nugent. <laughs> right. I still back the song. Um, I, I wish Ted Nugent the worst. Um, <laughs> I hope all the bad things in life happen to him and only him, Exactly. but I appreciate that track. <laughs> well, I'm going to class up the joint a little bit and, uh, we're talking about guilty pleasures. And I think part of this is, you know, we're talking about artists who, yeah, otherwise we can't back absolutely don't enjoy, you know, the grand majority of their catalog, except these one or two turds that happen to be highly polished. So I'm going to take it in the classier direction and go with Aerosmith. <laughs> um, dude, that song love in an elevator. It is absolutely one of the worst songs ever written, but it is so fantastically beautifully cheesy. I mean, the sure. lyrics like are just, they're awful. Like all Aerosmith, it's just purely about sex. Sure. You know, like I haven't read the lyrics in a long time. There's probably a healthy dose of misogyny in them. I'm not. Are you, gonna are you saying when he sings going down, he doesn't mean it literally. <laughs> I think he actually does mean it literally. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, I don't think innuendo was, you know, subtlety was not their thing. No, not at all. <laughs> like, but I mean, it's also a time and place thing. Like I remember, that was on pump from 89, which was again, classing oh. it up. It was a picture of two trucks humping. That's right. I forgot about that. God. <laughs> but I, but I was a little kid and I was just getting interested in like, I, I played piano and I was just getting interested in like guitar and like rock music. And I remember that was just, you know, it's, it's not like it was the first song that had it, but for whatever reason in my ear, that was one of the first times I noticed specifically in a rock song, not in like a soul song or an R and B song or something like that. Like the stacking of like, vocals you know in sure. layers and like how the guitar solo was clearly like three takes like 
you know, edited together with fade-ins and things like that. And so I think there was a lot of things like that about specifically the production of the song that I fell in love with. Like now, you know, like even if, you know, I'm drinking and I put it on on a jukebox, even I can only get like halfway through it. (laughs) I'm really glad you don't do that regularly, by the way. I might start now. No, no, man, I I feel like when you bully the jukebox, you've got, you've got a strong two to three songs you go with every time. Yeah. Um, and I'm grateful that's not one of them. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think I could do that to, to my friends. Cause typically, yeah. Cause typically when, yeah, very much so. Yeah. Cause when we do that, typically it's about like, you know, we'll be in some bar and everyone's listening to the spin doctors and you know, we'll go on and put hate breed. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Kill switch, whatever. Right. But yeah, that, that one, man, because I, I can't think of anything else from Aerosmith that, you know, even if I have a soft spot for it or I'll find some reason, I'll pull some reason out of my ass to defend it. Sure. But I think truly the only song they have is, yeah, that awful piece of crap, Love in an Elevator. And I, I think that, that song for me is just timeless cheese. It's what, just... What about know, the song from Armageddon? I mean, well, yeah, that's a classic, though. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I forgot about that because also Armageddon's probably the best. No, that's not dude. No, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna back that song. It's just an earworm of a pop song. That's yeah, all. yeah, and they were really good at that. Or yeah. I should say, they're professional writers that they hired. Yeah, correct. Were, no, were, and then that guy handed over that. to the Foo Fighters, and the Foo Fighters <laughs> wrote a thousand songs that sound like they should be played at the end of Armageddon. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All of which are catchy earworms, and you're like, God damn it, I don't. I don't know. I respect that band greatly. Not my yeah. cup of tea overall, but they'll drop a song. And you're like, this is an action movie song. Oh, sure. it totally is. I, I, I'm actually a fan of Foo Fighters and I respect the fuck out of, out of Dave Grohl. Mm. And, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I remember thinking that about my hero and now yeah. we're, we're getting off topic. We'll steer it back. Sorry, but, but, but I agree with you. Like I never thought they would match the intensity of that song as far as like a song that should definitely roll over, you know, the end credits or the final fight scene of something. And, yeah, then every single song they recorded after that happened to do exactly that. Yep. <laughs> man, sorry, I, I know I derailed that. All right, cool. Um, man, I got I got three bangers on here, and I don't know what to go with next. <laughs> so I'm, I'll uh, step forward a couple uh, a couple decades. Um, so this one is not one of Mike's favorites. It is one of mine for sure. And this band got big off a of cover, and quite frankly, the cover's okay. Um, However, the record as a whole actually was pretty fucking strong. And the second single, I thought was a great, great pop rock, kind of sort of heavy radio song back when I was younger. Um, talking about Alien Ant Farm and the song Movies. Oh, yeah. Fuck. <laughs> I love that track, dude. It's it's not a, it's by no means a perfect record, and it's definitely like a product of its generation. Right. And it's always a bummer when a band pops off a cover song. And I usually assume it's because they don't have anything else they could do. Kind of like... Orgy and Blue Monday back around the <laughs> right, same time right. where you're like, I remember like liking it and I'd be in like 17 and buying it. And I was like, this is trash. Right. But then I remember buying this record specifically and being like, dude, there's like four or five good songs on here. Then yeah. that was one of them. The dude had like a great singing voice and whatever. I mean, I, I'm curious to know how much money they made, if any, off of fucking covering Michael Jackson. But, um, right. Yeah. I always think of that because that was their huge hit. But to do that, they kind of had to have sold their soul. Like they couldn't have made very much money. No, off of for that. sure. Like yeah. who, who knows what the royalties were on that? Yeah. To like, Michael Jackson. Cause that still came out when he was alive. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But yeah, movies, it's a great kind of, I don't know. <laughs> and I think that band also, they tried to be like kind of lighthearted and cornier in their videos. Yeah. And I really think that was lame. I, I, don't, I don't think it did him any favors. Like, I think that movies is just a good 
love song. Right. And it's catchy and it's like kind of got like a groove to it, like a bouncy groove. And they just put this corny ass video out after they did a Michael Jackson cover with a corny ass video. I actually saw them on the Vans Warped Tour. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It was 2000 or 2001. I don't recall. Um, I think it might have been after that, man. I honestly think it might have been like 2003 or something like that. I don't recall going that late. I, I only mention that because I remember. Well, wait, wait, I'm sorry. I finished, so finish the show. Oh, no, no, you, saw, no. you saw them at the Warped Tour. They were incredible live. The only, <laughs> the only time I ever saw I them. I actually don't doubt that. I actually um, don't doubt They that. crashed, but they had like a 30-minute set. Right. Um, that was a weird, it was a whole weird time anyway, because like 311 was supposed to headline, oh, and there was God. like a storm coming through, and AFI said they were like bringing in the storm, and then it like, it washed out, and Les and Jake and 311 didn't get, didn't get to play, and I was like, all right, that's fine. Yeah, um, all so, right. It's good, 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 good job, Good time AFI. for me to go. Yeah, <laughs> good job, AFI. But no, like, <laughs> I... I think that Alien Ant Farm record, for the most part, is good. I don't think it's perfect. Right. I don't think every track is listenable. I think it's got a couple on there, and I think this is a great fucking song, man. For like of of that era and right. getting jammed into like new metal, and an, I struggle to to listen to that record and call it a new metal record. But quite frankly, I don't think I'd have anything else to dump it into. Right, um, exactly. Yeah. And so I think it just it gets placed where it gets placed. And I heard another podcast recently with uh. A dude that I didn't expect. It would end up being the lead singer of Spineshank, which... Wow, I forgot about that band. So Holy shit. It's a podcast that I listen to regularly, and it doesn't really matter who he interviews. Right. Because I just think the man does such a great job. Um, and he interviewed that guy, and they really... They, they talked about philosophically, like, things getting lumped into new metal, because at least... At least it was a team sport at that point. And it was of an era when you didn't have Spotify and things of that nature, where folks... Imagine us, you know... I mean, right, right. You know, I'm in my early 40s, Mike is too. And so, like, um, you're buying stuff based off of recommendations and other names on flyers and things of that. And so, to get lumped into something was probably better than the opposite. Yeah. And so, whether it's right or wrong, it helps. So, yeah, because they could jump on those bigger tours. There were all kinds of benefits. Yeah. Right? I, I get that. I, of, of course, I'm going to be the, the crotchety voice of dissent because, <laughs> because that, was, that was one of the things. And I admit, this is what I'm about to offer is shallow but at least for like the phase i was in with music when alien ant farm dropped yeah i dismissed it as new metal sure. i'm gonna be honest i hated the name of the band no so it's a terrible name <laughs> like, like so right off the bat i was like you know what fuck these kids I, well, i'm sure they're nice people they were actually i was living in san francisco at the time and i think they're from the north bay or, or at least like they used to play up there all the time and i never heard a bad thing about them i always heard that they crushed live yeah like i heard they were just great great musicians and i would think they would have to be to like because when i think of the baseline of that michael jackson yeah. song it was a gnarly baseline yeah. you know like so there's definitely talent there yeah. but yeah i just you know i was totally dismissive of it i was just like man fuck this name i can't even believe how like ho- how hokey it is and i just you know, and I just never gave it a chance. And now, you know, decades later, I've never gone to revisit it. So I don't I, know you need to go very far <laughs> into it. Well, we're going to make a Spotify playlist, so it, it, it'll be fun yeah, to like, go through this journey. Sure. You know? And I know I've learned in many ways that not everybody explores music at the level where you and I do. And a lot of folks just grab tracks. Right. This is a band where I think you can just type their name into your Spotify and start at the top track and maybe get two or three in and be, you know, you can make a decision at that point. Right, right, right. Because um, even myself, I'm not going to dig very deep at this point. I just like, when this track comes on, I'm like, fuck yeah. All right. <laughs> and, then, and then my cup is full and I move on. Right, exactly. So <laughs> I think that's kind of the trend with like most of the songs that are that yeah. we're going to talk about. No, for sure. I'm like, I don't need anything else from this band. Yeah. I know. So my next song... 
is very much like that. Oh, wait, can, can we pivot yet? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, go ahead. Because yeah, it's very much like that. So, again, same era. Um, and it was a band that, again, like, I, I, you know, I don't know these people. You know, I'm sure they're fine musicians because they had a bunch of records out. Yeah. Um, but I just thought they were so corny. Um, it was that band 18 Visions. And I think it was yeah. just because I had so many friends who just loved them. And to me, it re- they reminded me of hair metal, like, a lot. It was, yeah. A- and... It's not that there's not a place for costumery in rock and roll music. I mean, all of rock music is inherently ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like, absolutely. But 18 Visions did have this one song on this one, I think the record was Obsession. It was a, yeah. Was it? Yeah. It's Obsession. And, yeah. And they have this song called Tower of Snakes that to this day is one of the heaviest songs I've ever heard. Yeah. It's incredible. And just like the breakdown in the middle of it is just so gnarly. It's actually like, the same breakdown played at three different, like basically like you can tell they're, they're like adjusting the frets, but they're also just playing it slower. Yeah. And it's the <laughs> yeah. same breakdown every time. And it doesn't matter. Cause I just want to like, I want to flip something over when that song comes on. <laughs> exactly dude. Like, yeah. And I just like, I don't know everything else. And I know they have some newer records that, you know, I should probably go back and go back and revisit, but but with their old stuff, the sentiment you just expressed, that's how I always felt. Like, people sure. would throw it on, and they'd always try to get me into it. And they were always on tours with other bands that I loved. And, you know, I, I would watch from the back or, you know, outside, you yeah. know, back in the day when I smoked. And, like, but then that song came in, and I would rush in and get right in the pit. Uh, and then I could step back to the bar. So I came for that band pretty hard in a very specific window. Um they had that like that album until the ink runs out, which is yeah. super metalcore. Not any really singing on it. Right. Um, it was better than most in that era. Right. Um, I still I still will put it on from time to time. And then I thought Vanity was a good record, and I really think Obsession had like Tower of Snakes, and that was it. Like I really struggled for that point on. Right. But I also think like quite frankly, my, my musical taste was changing, and I was like outgrowing all of that right. kind of world. And Vanity was corny. Um, and heavy and it had like Howard Jones on it and a few other Oh yeah, things. I forgot about that. Yeah. So like it has tracks, man. That was when he was in Blood and Spin Shit, right? I don't recall. It was okay. in, it was kind of in that same era where he was like moving from one band to the other and I, could, right, I right. couldn't tell you where it fell in. Um but there was a moment and it was really corny live. It was really <laughs> it was really heavy. But it also like I think it worked for them. I mean, right. they wore like shirt and tie and stuff like that when they played. And it was in, a, in an era where everyone was hyper masculine and bro-y. Right. And these dudes were like still kind of bro-y, but at the same time were like, you know, leaning into makeup and shirts and tie. And I was like, all right, I get, I think it was intentionally corny. Right. Um, I don't know, man. Like I still cave for, I cave for elements of that band for sure. Which is right. And to be fair, that whole like fashionista thing that they were doing, mm-hmm. That I actually really dug, sure. like because I remember like the Hives doing that, and you know the, that had, that was big, and you know other eras of music as well. When I say it reminded me of hair metal, I think you just hit it specifically, and it was that hyper masculinity that mm-hmm. came off even through, you know the um, the makeup and all all those things. Because like when you look back at hair metal, there was something very odd about how hair metal was, where it was. Uh, even with all the effeminate affectations, yeah, it uh, was still really, really misogynist and hypermasculine, and so like that's what it reminded me, reminded me of. And and I'm not saying that's what they were going for. Mm-hmm. It's just for whatever reason, that's where my mind went. I don't know. I think you though know? there was that era of Orange County hardcore 
that or metalcore, I guess really. That's I don't know. I don't know entirely what they're going for. I think it's their fault that Atreo existed. And that's a different <laughs> right. conversation. Though that being said, Atreo has tracks, and I can. I'm happy to have that conversation. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. I think that that was a weird era of. Yeah. I, look, I look at photos of myself and God, I looked corny. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, I remember like seeing f- pictures back that back in the day, and I was just as guilty as everyone else of like, yeah, the tight thrift store T-shirt, the boot cut blue jeans, yep. the Asics. Yep. <laughs> I wore I wear I, I was wearing Sockenies, but that's yeah, it's all the dude, same. Yeah, and the only reason I didn't have uh, wear women's jeans was because they didn't fit me. Yeah, oh, same. Yeah, well, it wasn't for lack of effort. I promise. Oh yeah, dude, I didn't I didn't get my pair of my hands on a pair of diesels until like right about the end of that trend. Yeah. Same. <laughs> and that was because they finally started shipping men's jeans to the U S and was yeah. like, tight. Yep. <laughs> like, all right. Um, what do I got next on my list? I got two more. All right, let's talk about this. So, um, my dad, like almost everyone's father loved Jimmy Buffett. Um, <laughs> and I, I never did. And I really struggled with that. I, I thought it was corny. I understand the man wrote songs for middle-aged husbands and wives to get drunk to while on vacation. So respect to that. I, I think he kind of leaned into that pretty well. Um, however, he's got one song that as I got older, I, I really started to love and I kind of, I stumbled across it unintentionally. I wasn't actively lo- looking for Jimmy Buffett chats, <laughs> but he has a song called if the phone doesn't ring, it's me. Yeah. That I yeah. think is, it does not sound, it sounds more kind of a little more country ish. Like I wouldn't quite go full blown like George Jones style, but it's a little less hokey Jimmy Buffett, more kind of leaning back into that like 70s, 80s country vibe. And it's just a song about leaving his his lady and like how he's better off weathering the storm to find another woman. And he just continually says, if the phone doesn't ring, you know that it's me. And I think that's one of the meanest lines I've ever heard in my entire yeah, life. Yeah, dude. Like, it's <laughs> brutal. It's fucking brutal. <laughs> dude, that's so brutal. And so I love that song. I think it's a great track. I, I I don't think I'd venture out any further than that with Jimmy Buffett. It kind of falls in a weird era of him where I think like right. he was in a lull and just trying different things. And it turns out that like, I mean, obviously he could write a good pop song. Otherwise he wouldn't be making the money he was making. Right. But he pivoted and did something that I actually think is pretty fucking cool. So if you, <laughs> right. so if you haven't heard that track and you want to hear an incredibly mean spirited, dark Jimmy Buffett song. Right that's the track. Yeah, dude. Well, and I remember you telling me about the song and I, you know, we were talking about how, so I'm not super familiar with Jimmy Buffett. It doesn't, I, I, I feel like it never bothers me when it comes on. Same thing with like, no, it's I don't know, like, like something like Sammy Hagar. No, it's, it's like, it's, you know, it's harmless. Like, it's, 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 harmless. It's, it's not for me. Yeah. No, it's, it's suburban dad rock. It's, yeah, exactly. It's palatable. It's safe. It's fun. It's, a, it's, it's all of the things that's supposed to be. And that's why they do so well. Yeah. It's, it's for dudes who wear Hawaiian shirts to Costco. Like, yeah. you know, it's like, but I, but I, I will give that or not even give it. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. Actually. Like when we talk about like this Jimmy Buffett thing and, and how f- brutal the lyrics are in that, that all that, all those like yacht rock songs were mean as shit. Oh, no, for sure. They're mean <laughs> as shit. Like they are so cruel. Like I thought about this a lot lately, like yeah. even like some Hall and Oates tracks, like, your kiss, what does it say? Like your kiss is the only thing I miss or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, obviously I just absolutely butchered that. But regardless, <laughs> it was like, I listen to those things. I'm like, that's it. You yeah. Know? Right. Right. I don't know. Yeah. There are a lot of songs like that. Like, you know, what's the, the really famous one, the, um, 
But the uh, the chorus is, you know, if you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. Oh, yeah. You know, and, you know, everyone will talk about like, oh, well, you know, him and his wife still end up together at the end of the song. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But think about this. Like, back in the day, like, when you had to put a wanted ad in the paper, like, that's a whole lot of effort. Mm-hmm. Like, he was going out of his way to cheat on his wife. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, and he was describing really simple shit yeah. that he probably could have just talked to her about and be like, hey, honey, I would like to go on this vacation. Yeah. I, like, 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 I would like to do this thing. I would like instead to do of, this thing. Instead, <laughs> instead of stepping out on his marriage, he could have potentially gone to couples therapy. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. I was like, there's a lot of effort, man. Like, a uh, lot of effort. There's, like, a lot, there's a lot of missteps in those types of songs. <laughs> Oh man, I don't know, but yeah, you're right. Like, there's a lot of that stuff I think about, and like, I don't. I mean, don't get me started on Eric Clapton, but like, dude, oh. no, no, we're not going to. No, <laughs> but no, uh, but yeah. So if you get a chance, I, I strongly suggest check, checking out this Jimmy Buffett check. Yeah, um, at least for once for a go through. But man, it's it's just a brutally dark, mean spirited breakup song. That yeah, I did not expect. From this man who just wants to get drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, who just wants to get drunk and barbecue. Yeah, like, yeah dude, for sure. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, dude, when we talk about uh, talk about stuff like that, so my next song, I remember when we were originally talking about this and putting together this list, I was saying this this song reminds me of like the song version of texting your ex, of yeah. like a drunk text. And it's that song, uh, Gin Blossoms, Hey Jealousy. Yeah. Which I think, like, I don't know, man. Again, I can't think of anything else about that band. They're like their entire persona. Like, I don't think you could even do now because there, it was just so, it was just water. Like there was nothing of substance, you know, sure. nothing worth remembering about the band and about, and about a lot of bands in that era, like that early nineties era. But that song, I just thought was such a brilliant pop song from front to back. Just the lyrics were great. The music was great. Everything about it's super memorable. Apparently there's a really dark, uh, story behind the song where I guess like that band had, you know, a lot of attempts where they, they were a band that was trying to like make it, you know, and I guess the person who wrote most of that song or maybe wrote the whole song and brought it to the band was in the band at one point, but then got fired before the band like popped off with that single. And yeah, apparently just got screwed out of definitely got screwed out of all the credit and notoriety, yeah. but I think got screwed out of a lot of the money from the royalties as well. Cause that was their one hit single. That's literally all they had, wasn't Yeah. It? And I think they took their own life or I like, I have to go back and look it up, Jesus. But, but it's like super dark and it actually makes the song that much darker because the song is kind of depressing and, and, and you know, like I said, it's kind of awful. It's, it's kind of just this, this spiral of sadness, uh-huh. you know, also it's hilarious to me. Like just a in in the point of time we live, but also being a black man, like the idea of having a lyric that says, "Hey, let's just ride around all night, and get chased by the cops. That'll be fun." Yeah, <laughs> like I'm like, all right, I don't personally like, want to get chased by the cops. Yeah, I'm like, ah, <laughs> like that's that's all that's cute, that's yeah. adorable. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, I'm all I'm all set on that. I'm not looking to. to yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a high level of white privilege to that song. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, but yeah, but that whole early '90s like thing where there there were again every era has this. Tons of bands that just they have their one or two things and then nothing else worth you know calling a legacy. Sure. You know, but I just I just think that song was just such a such a stroke of genius for whatever reason, and I, I always get excited when that song comes on. Like, and thankfully, because they didn't have anything else, I never have to worry about someone, like, playing that album. Like, that never happens. You know, you don't go to a bar and they're going to like, hey, it's Gin Blossoms Night. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, that's not a thing. Although, 
Well, we don't we don't live in the Midwest, <laughs> right? Right, true. There, there, there are shattered territories down there. I've definitely been to some towns that feel like I've stepped back twenty years. Right, right. So, <laughs> uh, um, the last track I have today is um, I know I know this band is beloved by many, and most of the women I dated in from like nineteen ninety nine to like two thousand three, I think this was like a band they all loved, and quite frankly, they have tracks and. Um, I won't take that away from them when I talk about everything else I've talked about today. I do believe this band, this band is popular for a reason. They've also written some movie songs that got big. Um, but this is the only song I truly actually love by this band is, uh, is a long way down by the Goo Goo Dolls. I fucking <laughs> love that song. Cause I feel like it's still a track that kind of has the spirit of some of the punk stuff that they put out earlier, which yeah, I forget that that, I, I forget what a long career they had and they how were, much they changed. They were on Metal Blade Records <laughs> um, for their first couple albums. Mind-boggling. Yeah. And I, I always hear there's always interviews with like Scott Vogel from Terror yeah. where he talks about growing up in Buffalo and how he would see like the Goo Goo Dolls and Cannibal Corpse play together <laughs> just because it was a smaller town and like yeah, yeah. you just played with everybody. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, that's wild. But yeah. Uh, yeah, because to me, they're like the musical equivalent of like Ryan Seacrest. Sure. <laughs> like, well, and I think they eventually worked to that point and got paid in respect to that. Right, right. Um, but I, I think Long Way Down is a great fucking kind of like still kind of saccharine sweet pop song, but it's a little quicker and more anxious than everything right. else they wrote. Um, I learned some interesting stuff, though, while I was Googling this earlier today that um, two things. One, Apparently that like Christian metalcore band Haste the Day covered Long Way Down. Um, no way, really? Yeah, I, I used to really like Haste the Day. I don't think I'm gonna visit that personally, but it's I'm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a thing that exists, and so I thought it was of note. Um, the other thing I realized was apparently uh, Walmart pulled a boy named Goo from their shelves back when those of you guys who remember Walmart would censor everything. They'd have censored CDs without swear words. I remember when uh, White Zombie's Super Sexy Swinging Sounds came out and oh had God. that woman like naked in the hammock, even though you couldn't yeah, see yeah. it because of a side shot. They like photoshopped a bikini on her and that type of stuff. Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. So apparently um, the boy on the cover of A Boy Named Goo is covered in like uh, blackberry juice. Hmm. And apparently some of the God-fearing customers of Walmart thought it was blood and complained and so god that'd be so cool though i know i know (laughs) but uh oh my god that makes me that totally changes my idea of the goo goo dolls yeah (laughs) so they came out and said that's they're like it's an album called a boy named goo and there's a child covered in goo like cowards it's a pretty pretty straightforward (laughs) thing yeah they should have just covered it out some blood and moved on yeah the streets will flow with the blood of the (laughs) non-believers exactly Uh, so i don't know i love that song and again like i know I know that that band's got like a dozen records or something wild, and right, it's yeah. had like a hell of a career. And I and I, I won't, I won't, yeah. shit on that band by any means. It's not for me. It's not my cup of tea. However, God, that song is good. I remember you playing me the, the song, and yeah, I, I I guess I just never knew the title of it. Yeah. And it is a fun, fun pop song. I guess I never thought past. So I think it's the Goo Goo Dolls that has that one song that's, it's just, if nothing else, it's fun to make fun of. It's the one where it's like, I don't want the world to see me because oh, yeah. I don't think that they'd understand. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. God, that song's so fantastically terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, but I think that's how, you, I don't know, man, that's how you get paid is you write teenage angst tracks. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because that song's definitely about like being 13. 
Yeah. And knowing that your art teacher does not understand your sure. vision. And it was, probably, <laughs> yeah, it was probably a graduation song. Cause I remember yeah. when I graduated, I think everybody's graduation song that year, mine included was, uh, that, that, Green Day song, Time of Your Life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's essentially the same type of check where you're totally. like, these these dudes write a track that that's just going to get them paid. Yeah. And like, so be it. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I'll never hate on that piece. I think growing up as a punk kid and then kind of jumping off of that pretty quickly. And right. I was always mostly just a metal kid that got yeah. into hardcore and a little bit of punk. Like, it's not selling out if you mean to do it from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, exactly. I mean, oh, man. I've been in this conversation with so many people, especially with punk people, like yeah. talking about these bands that got big, you know, and it may seem like low hanging fruit, but even a band like Blink 182, where like I remember seeing them, you know, for six bucks with seven other bands, sure. you know, and then they came back, you know, the next summer with $30 tickets to like the amphitheater and people like they sold out. I was like, they didn't do anything. They didn't say they were going to, do. you know, like, like at no point did they say they weren't going to go yeah. to a major label. At no point did they say they weren't, this wasn't a goal for them. You know, I how said, did they sell out? I, mean, I really don't feel like people use that term anymore. I feel like it's fucking yeah. arbitrary and silly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we talk about this. Mike and I are in a band together and, um, the minute your band makes a dollar, you're a business in some capacity. Yeah, and it absolutely. Needs to be managed as such. And I don't know. I mean, we, I'm incredibly grateful that people like our band and buy our shirts and our music. And it's enough to money to make more shirts and music. And that's really rad. And we're not going to pay our bills off of this by any means, but right. at the same time, it's, it's pretty cool and it's exciting. Yeah. And I don't know. I think that if folks get into it without having some level of like, return on investment even if it just makes you feel good i don't I don't know why you would do it and i guess like right i don't know i think of Haybreed and i think of jamie josta right like, that man from the jump was like this band will be huge right and like he had a vision from day one of what he wanted that band to be and when people are like that band sold out i'm like no he didn't they did ex jamie josta did exactly what jamie josta planned to do with that band right the whole fucking time i mean he dropped a 22 totally. minute record which totally off topic satisfaction is like Top five heavy records of all time. To me. Oh yeah, uh, it's twenty two minutes. I tore it on for five years. Like, <laughs> come on. I don't know, man. So anyway, I don't think good on the Goo Goo Dolls for uh, for dropping name and fucking other tracks like that that like right. blew them the fuck up. But they still had some stuff buried in those albums. I had a little bit of that, that punk vibe to it. And yeah, also would, a boy named Goo's their fifth record, which is like, nuts to me. Yeah, that, that's a grind, man. They, they didn't yeah. pop till 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 that point, really. Yeah, I mean. They're, that, that's they're a real dedication yeah, yeah that's so a real like, dedication respect to them respect to any band of that level i don't know man some like that gatekeepy shit with like selling out and yeah and i think i think a lot of that comes from you know typically that that i've noticed and you know we you know we were, let me back up i'm blue screening in my mind <laughs> you know we, you know we've been talking about some of the episodes that we're going to have upcoming and so we're going to have an upcoming episode that's going to be all about the things we've learned um you know, I've been in a lot of bands. Uh, Devin's been more on the music or more on the business side of music um, up until recently. And so we are going to have an episode with a special guest. We're going to talk about a lot of the things we've learned over the years. But I know definitely from the music side, from the primarily creative side, a lot of the people I've heard who get in my ear about some bullshit about selling out, there are people who they never understood or sought to understand the business aspect. Yeah. You know, and they think somehow that the creativity can thrive on its own yet they want all the perks that only come to bands who have a well-rounded understanding of how to do this 
and how to thrive in a capitalist system. And and we're just not in a place where you can't have that understanding. And so, you know, we'll, we'll get into this all in this episode. But, but yeah, like I said, typically when people start crying that bullshit, I know this is someone who hasn't put all the thought they could into their own music, into the music that they are participating in with other people. Also, as a side note, I love how every time we talk about Hatebreed, you always say Jamie Josta's like full name. Like, and it makes me, it it makes me hope that he talks like that too about himself. Like in the third person. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't think he does, man. I listen to his podcast pretty regularly. Oh man. I've never heard. (laughs) I don't think he's that high on himself. Well, to me, it's not even high. It's just like, it's Jamie Josta. Just, yeah, it's just he's like, I'm Jamie Josta. I don't know. Uh, well, Jamie Josta thinks that. You know, <laughs> like, I think that'd be so awesome. I think his real last name is like Shanahan or something, but whatever. It's hardcore. I, mean, I know, right? Right? You don't, you, don't, you don't use the man's last name for 25 years. I don't know, dude. Jamie, I, I don't. It, it just rolls off the tongue together. Right. And again, that's the hardcore kid in me that will never die is that you, you get. You get a band name, nickname at the end of the night. You're, that is your full name for every right. period of story. Right. Well, I know. Speak, so speaking of hardcore, my last song is someone who is equally as respected in heavy music as Jamie Jossa. Um, and that's Don Henley. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Um, let, let it be said, first of all, that again, I, the Eagles is just with the sole exception of hotel California. And that could be an episode on zone. Yeah, a- I know I'm going to get about to get punched in the face. <laughs> I find that man like wildly offensive. It's just some of the, I just to say, I don't enjoy their music is a wild understatement. But when Don Henley went solo, you know, and I remember everybody going absolutely ape shit about that song, uh, Boys of Summer. Yeah. And I never liked that song. I don't, I'm not going to go into saying bad things about it for no reason at all. Um, but, sure. um, but to fun. keep the energy positive here, like he dropped another single called The Heart of the Matter that to this day. It's a banger. Yeah, it's such an awesome song. Like, and it's one of the things I like because I, I feel like you didn't get a lot of this in this era, especially from like these older guys in rock, you know. Well, I thought it was very self reflective and self deprecating. And he's like actually sort of taking some level of accountability, mm-hmm. you know, for his part in this relationship ending. And, you know, and I, I just thought it was a fun song. It's a sure. beautiful song. And again, when, you know, we're talking about you know, one of those things where it's like a nice uptick from someone who's just sort of been this ubiquitous name, you know, like I don't remember sure. at any point in my life n- having the luxury of not knowing who the Eagles sure. were <laughs> well, like, to, your, to circle back to your point earlier. It's, it's a nice refreshing change of pace to, to songs about dudes trying to bang their way back to their wife. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, yeah. What, what if we took a different route? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what if we took a different <laughs> yeah. approach to this? Like, yeah. That's, yeah. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> like, but yeah, man, that, that was one of those songs where just like, yeah, if it comes on, I'm never going to be bummed. I'm never going to skip it. I, I still get stoked on that song to this day. I also, I also love, uh, how he, it's, it's on this like covers or no, not a covers record. It's on a, like a greatest hits compilation called actual miles. It just has a photo of him next to like a used Cadillac or something ultra cheesy like that. What a title. Yeah. Right. Like, and I I just, I always think of that and that always kind of cracks me up. Like, but yeah, that song is just again, brilliant, brilliant piece of pop music that is well, well worth checking out. Yeah. (laughs) Good shit. Sweet. I think that wraps up that episode. Um, yeah, we're going to have uh, we're, all these songs are going to be on a Spotify playlist. That'll be in the show notes. Yeah. Um, if you have any suggestions, put them in the comments, all that bullshit. Yep. And uh, yeah, thanks for sticking around for a half an hour with us. Yeah, we have a, uh, an Instagram page um, at, at our serious, sincerest condolences. 
I mean, I have to get better saying that. Our sincerest condolences. <laughs> um, hit us up if you guys like what we're talking about. Um, any feedback, good or bad. We'd love to chat with y'all. Um, we're going to start trying to really pump these on, make this a good, consistent show. And obviously, you know, in the beginning, there's a little bit, little bit of time, a little bit of grace that we ask as we figure it out. But hopefully you still laughed at us and found this entertaining and a good conversation. So, yeah, um, until until next week. But, yeah, thank you, guys. We'll see yep. you soon. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.